I just can't quite coax him. <laughs> well, what you do is, if you kind of grip the shaft. Alright, self control, everyone. Is this thing on? Awoga, this is a dwarf cast. Hello, it's a Ganymede and Titan dwarf cast. Remember them? Fuck. Well, we're back. Uh, sorry. And we're going to record a commentary for Series 1, Episode 5, Confidence and Paranoia. I'm Ian Symes, and joining me in our big house is Alex Newsom from off of Gaspacho Soup and the Fan Club. Hello. Seb Patrick from off of reddwarf.co.uk. I came here to watch Doctor Who, and now I'm watching Red Dwarf for some reason. <laughs> Tanya, it's a job. Tanya Jones, who is actually from G&T. Hello. And John Hoare, who is as well. Hello. A uh, friend of the website, Kyle Eisenhower, is sitting in the corner. Hello. Uh, Non-Red Dwarf and Julian Hazeldean is here. I thought I was going to guess Enemy of the Website. <laughs> oh, that would be good. Uh, enemy of the Website, Jonathan Capps. Hey, enemy of finishing articles. <laughs> and uh, Joey Cannon, who is on the Red Dwarf Fan Club team now. Hello. I'm also on the Red Dwarf Fan Club team. Yeah. It's all one big messy ball. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit incestuous. <laughs> uh, Make but, your messy balls out of this. <laughs> but anyway, uh, queue up your DVD or Netflix or whatever. Uh, and on Netflix, you fucker. Yeah, it's been taken, no, it's been taken oh, off Netflix. Shit. Well, don't yeah. do not do that then. Uh, yeah, queue up your DVD, uh, get ready to press play at the end of the beeps, grip the shaft, and we'll be right back. <laughs> there ain't no place in the whole of cyberspace. www.ganymede.tv Spaceship, paintbrush. <laughs> That's um, just to ch- check that you're all synced up. Refamiliarise because it's been that long since yeah. you last did one. Uh, oh, I thought I was on the recognising things. What's the uh, stage direction? Red Dwarf um, trundles lonely through space. Something along those lines. Uh, it's interesting that we choose Confidence of Paranoia at this point, given that Craig Ferguson has announced his retirement from The Late Show. Yeah, Are we trying to be topical? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, get released until... So, yeah. We'll probably have gone back As, to as you may have seen, um, time, yeah. around about this time last year, actually, Craig Ferguson announced... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah that's, that's a strange coincidence. That was before the scandal broke, of Well organised. Well, it wasn't even organised. No. Was this is the Craig Bizarre. Ferguson Memorial Podcast. <laughs> What's the betting that Craig Ferguson <laughs> will turn up in you Doctor Who you at some point in the future? I thought you were going to say, What's the betting Craig Ferguson will turn up in this episode? I was going to say, Quite high. <laughs> um, well, while we're talking about, you know, Dwarf Cast rather than the actual episode, this is the first time we've completed a series of Red Dwarf, providing that Future Echoes has come out before this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we've recorded yeah. Future Echoes. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, apart from Back to Earth, obviously. My God, there's a man's head floating in space. What the hell is this show all about? <laughs> <laughs> it was a Dracula or something, wasn't oh, it? Yeah, there he right. is. There's kind of Dracula. Dracula there. <laughs> a and Dracula. a man who plays for Honduras. That's, it's such a nice age. little introduction. <laughs> no one else because can get that. <laughs> it's unpleasing. We, we must have said this a million times, but just the repeated reassertion of what the show's about, which obviously would have been very important at the time, but keeping it fresh every week by having the individual joke it's just a nice it's little thing yeah. you get for series 2 as well yeah. making, doing yeah. the briefer one for series 2 it's really, like the equivalent you know. of a couch gag with a blackboard gag yeah. on the Simpsons yeah, exactly. I was going to say except a red dwarf never gets shit but no it's not true <laughs> I'm, and I'm trying to think of another British sitcom that does that and I'm not coming up with anything um, the trip does something similar yeah it does yeah 
Alan Partridge. Ah, I have been At informed by my colleague yeah. that faulty, uh, faulty, yeah. Yeah, faulty Towers also does that. Oh, yeah, but the, the, that doesn't have the reassertion the re- of recapping the show. No, 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 no. I'm no, just thinking like of an extra show. joke in the title. The trip just has that. that fa- it's a really weird com- uh, really weird thing to do, but that just that brief snippet of the conversation where he phones up. Some shows have it in the theme tune, recaps the situation. <laughs> yeah. you know, There's a man on group. a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> It's cold outside, but it's fine in the spaceship. <laughs> it's obviously. fine in the spaceship. It's, it's temperature controlled. <laughs> Dave Lister's packed his bags and headed into hyperspace. <laughs> <laughs> of course, some sitcoms, their premise is so simple that they just need a slightly yeah. Spanishy sounding theme tune like Duty Free. <laughs> well, some sitcoms are so simple that they forget that the lead character is a weatherman after two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just bring back an old Dwarfcast tradition by getting annoyed at the subtitles and the fact that the subtitles claim that the worst book ever written was It's a Funny Old Game by Kevin Keegan and not Football, It's a Funny Old Game. Uh, at least I didn't change it to Joe Clump. This, it's, yeah. a, it's a difficult thing because subtitles do need to be economical with yeah. words That's just sometimes. That, but... that joke, though, feels like a joke from the book. It's like I remember it more from yeah. the book and I forget that yeah. that line is actually yeah. in an episode. Yeah. It was, as many book-related things vastly elaborated. Yeah. Actually, subtitles, like eight, the traditional 888 subtitles, you would get truncated sentences and yeah. everything. Is that necessarily the case for something like this? Where It's about imagine... reading speed. But yeah. Yeah. Of, oh, often, often the subtitles, I can't speak for this release exactly, but often subtitles will be based on the broadcast subtitles. They won't remake yeah. them. Oh, interesting. The okay. The problem you've got with Same nearly... I don't think I've seen a comedy series where the subtitles haven't wrecked the rhythm of the joke. Yeah. yeah. I can't think of one. It's a shame, but it's it's necessary, I guess, and better than nothing. But Yeah, it's kind of... You sometimes think they could do a better job, but no. it's all kind of... As you say, it is a bit difficult. I do Luckily, deaf people don't have a sense of humour anyway. That is true. That's an old dwarf kind yeah. of favourite. It's alright, they won't be listening. It's <laughs> <laughs> been a little while since we've all been together doing the Dwarfcast. Let's get all the classics out. This, this, this is one of Rimmer's best arrivals into the... Yeah. It's a bit similar to... Uh, he's not really in the last day for about the first few minutes, and then all of a sudden he's just there and he just goes, well, it's all very sad, Lister. <laughs> <laughs> and similarly, his arrival here... Is dismisses everything. massive pants. <laughs> and very high waisted. Very high waisted. And it is to his credit. <laughs> very Simon Cow. <laughs> as everyone, we've probably mentioned it on a Dwarfcast before, as we've done loads of series one, but the Necrobics poster, has everyone noticed that? The, no. It, I didn't realise it was the actually ex- a poster. exercise poster above the mirror says Necrobics hologrammatic exercises for the dead. Ah, so he's actually oh. reading it. Yeah. I never realised that. I like how he's adjusting his age as well, as if that's actually something that can be adjusted. <laughs> maybe it's, but it maybe it's detectable. <laughs> the series has never really explored what one. the H feels like. As in, yeah. like, if he touches the H, does it feel like touching mm. his forehead? Or does it feel that. like a separate... The, book describes, yeah. the books describe scratching his H yeah. like, yeah. as a like, stage direction equivalent. Can you feel it? Yeah. Can you feel it? Yeah. Can you feel it? <laughs> <laughs> this is just a massive excuse for Chris Barry to show off his nostrils. Isn't what, it? Red Dwarf? Red Dwarf. <laughs> yeah, the entire thing, yeah. There's never a bad time to just uh, get Chris Barry doing facial expressions. Cel- I've Funerals? thought about the Love Celibacy Society. <laughs> now, isn't it interesting that 
this kind of almost is a bit like a very early version of um, the idea behind Holoship. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Love drags you back. Yeah, love drags you back. I think there's also an element of... Like, in a lot of ways, Rimmer is a bit of a proto-fedora-wearing nice guy. And sort of his thing, you know, because he is kind of still slightly obsessed with women and with the idea of getting off with women, but he doesn't like the idea of love, and it's basically because he hasn't had any in his life, and so because he hasn't, there must be something fundamentally wrong with the concept. Yeah, and not with him. Yeah. Yeah. What's the point? If he just gets married, then he'll only get mocked when he loses his job as a weatherman. (laughs) 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 We are topical, aren't we? I liked it. <laughs> we went side of the room, remaining resolutely silent, <laughs> never went over to Bill reference comes up. We mentioned the war once, but I think we got away with this. Is that deliberate misquote? <laughs> it's a model shot. Model it's incredibly shot. detailed. Oh, he doesn't look well. Oh, it's been a naughty Friday. <laughs> 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 He's just been playing the rainbow theme tune. <laughs> I do like yes, but I'm just packing my satchel. <laughs> Why doesn't Rimmer have a duvet? Because he's a hologram. I wouldn't feel it. Why does no, he list- there are other times when I'm sure when he does sleep. He's got a pillow. Why does I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a readiness thing. Oh, like he's, he's, he can just leap out also, of bed. Why, 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 why does Rimmer do have queen. morning wood? I've only just noticed it's a Titan Hilton uh, blanket. <laughs> Yeah. 26 years on. Is this because yeah, we're, no, we're watching ridiculous. this on the 50-inch TV? If you go for that, you then why much. doesn't Rimmer have a mat- uh, Lister have a mattress? He's yeah. just sleeping on wood. Is he? Is I it? beg your pardon. <laughs> Which is <laughs> sleeping on Rimmer's morning wood. <laughs> There's just a reference there from Rimmer where he says they admit now Miss Magruder, where were we? And I think it is in a previous episode where you get the line, don't say Yvonne Magruder like she's the only one. Yeah. So which episode's that in? Uh, one of them but it's just funny that <laughs> like balance. in Thanks for the Memory which you know I'm loath to criticise because it's mm-hmm. my favourite episode but a big deal is it's made out of the revelation that Yvonne Magruder's the only one yeah. but actually Lister kind of already knew that and the show already <laughs> yeah. hinted at that now this is the scene that Peter oh, Risdale Scott read on the train yeah, isn't it, it? part it's- of the pilot now, was it part of the pilot at that point? I think so, yeah. I think the, the pilot script is in Son of Soup or... Uh, um, yeah, Omnibus. Oh, is it Omnibus? <laughs> is, it, is it actually in that? Well, one? notwithstanding I that, I think yeah. SEX, I think yeah, I found I it, is the cat's funniest line. Yeah. So I said we weren't having Sorry. a conversation. <laughs> Alex started it. Excuse me, every fight. And are we supposed to believe that the cat's actually weed into that bottle? Yes. 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 <laughs> Yuck. It's remarkably subtle, really. I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of sitcoms would have actually emphasised that. Do you want to tell your story about Pringle tubes? Uh, oh, what the fact that I pissed in a Pringle tube when I was at uni, and then my housemates found it and for some reason thought I was disgusting. Yeah, that yeah, one. that's the one. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Shortly afterwards, John left I think university. I, was, <laughs> I think I was. I think I was going through a few problems at the time. <laughs> Yeah, you couldn't be asked to go to the toilet. That was the main problem. <laughs> what is that? Too much to piss, not enough Pringles. It does. It does. It's Ted. That, what does that confusing me as yeah. well? What does that stand for? <laughs> Brilliant. It's, it's fantastic that, physical acting from Danny. It's Pringles. the second one as well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you're not quite expecting it the first that time. That is really yeah. racist. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, oh, God. God, that hadn't even really occurred, but yeah. Let's move on. Yeah, the, the, the I've only just, yeah, I've never thought of it like that. I think Danny delivering it sort of covers it a bit. Well, usually when it's Danny saying it, it's okay, but I think it's when it's when it's Chris Barry actually doing a monkey impression. Uh, yeah, well. It's just one of those so things that doesn't yeah, occur right. because it, race isn't an issue in Red Dwarf at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> Not until series 10. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is um, I actually, this is one of my favourite little work. bits of um, physical comedy in the whole of the first series. It's <laughs> all getting poked in the eye. Yeah, it's all getting poked in the eye. It's not subtle, but it's very funny. <laughs> I do like the, the footage that's on Body Snatcher of attempting to film this and the arm just moving up and down. And there's a moment when Craig kind of moves his head up and down to match it <laughs> and then decides that even though that take is obviously unusable, he still then just does the ah, my eye without it actually moving towards Just him. in case. Yeah. yeah. How about an anal reading? <laughs> the subtitles really do miss out quite a lot of the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. I noticed it in particular. Yeah, for the full effect, actually, watch the episode with subtitles. Yeah. Or read along <laughs> with a transcript from um, Nildrum. It really wouldn't surprise me if these subtitles were the same ones first seen in 1998. Mm. On transmission. And just fed them into the new... Yeah, 88. 88. 88, sorry, 88. Giving you lots. I'm surprised you haven't downloaded them to check. <laughs> nah, who can be fucked? <laughs> well, it you in about 2003, probably. Probably, actually, yeah. Well, I had nothing better to do. <laughs> you got nothing well, better to do job. now. <laughs> this is the only time this room is seen, isn't it? Because it's different mm, in series Is it different two. in the... In yeah. the parallel universe, because there was a scene in Body Snatcher that was going to be shown. Well, it's just, that background yeah, it's prop just... is clearly the exam room. <laughs> yeah, medical yeah. 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 one block it's of just, colour. It's just a corner redress, isn't it? Yeah. Look at the look at how shoddily uh, the, yeah, the cross the, the cross on the little white patch. It's obviously because they probably wanted to just put the cross on it and then realised that it was grey rather than white, <laughs> yeah. so they needed a block of white. I was watching the. Uh, the extra features on Body Snatcher, and there feels like something slightly cruel in the fact that when they're talking <laughs> That's about a really the sets, weird bit um, they all criticise yeah. the series one and two sets like really quite negatively at times. Mm. And then you'll get a little bit of Paul Montague talking about yeah. how much he likes the set, <laughs> and it always feels really cruel yeah. that they're it's... all relentlessly slagging off the sets. And then he's just like, "Oh, yeah, so that one. it's really bleak. Yeah, it's genuinely really bleak." Because he was pipes. really proud of his work, and he really he achieved what he was setting out yeah. to achieve which was to make it really grey and horrible yeah. and dowdy and, and claustrophobic and, and, and it's just got... that it turns out that that's not what they wanted for the show yeah. and also there's this weird kind of um, power imbalance there because you've got a lot of interviewer, interviewees who are very successful and known for Red Dwarf and have mm. done very well out mm. of Red Dwarf and then you've got Paul Montague who isn't remembered and um Etc. Et and there's a real kind of power imbalance there. Yeah. So and for all the successful people to be slagging off the work of someone who didn't end up being particularly successful. Yeah. I remember one, one of the first email conversations I had with John. I just I just redesigned the white hole, and it was all grey. <laughs> and I was com- complaining, uh, to, well, to say, well, you know, I'm quite happy with it, but it's just 
It's a bit dull, and you said, "Well, I'm, I'll take it as a, uh, a tribute to Paul Montague's work on series one and two." <laughs> I remember that. I was like, oh yeah, I, I'm probably going to get on quite well with this guy. <laughs> if only um, you knew them. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just struck me that I don't think we've had anything really hyperbole, really bizarre happening. Red Dwarf ten as much as just fish dropping <laughs> through, into into a room. <laughs> Aren't you glad that we didn't have that in series 10, though? Because you would have been in the audience for yeah. <laughs> having to smell all the fish. Yeah. Well, they would have done it pretty good, oh, but fish. I bet the smell would have lingered. <laughs> kind of lingers. There's <laughs> too many stars. No, there isn't. There's just the right amount. <laughs> That's my professional opinion. So th- this is a great episode for the cat breezing in and cutting through. <laughs> and Rimmo as well. He breezed in before and cut through. Everything. But just in particular, this yeah. and the you know the, the dinner scene before. In as well. summary, breezes. <laughs> the cat really is close to perfect in this first series. Yeah. Well, he is. He is a cat. So yeah. he's yeah. bastard. Never really bettered. <laughs> good, good insult. I think I use that one on our cats. <laughs> Every time they talk to you, yeah. shut up, you stupid. Well, no, stupid bitch. I think <laughs> you charmer. This isn't very much of a reason for any of this to happen. <laughs> it's just somehow it's this has happened. Though. It's a bit like it's the, it's the uh, developing fu- fluid. It must have mutated. Yeah, <laughs> some sort of mutation of a so common thing, and that's that yeah. means time travel or solid hallucinations is, is <laughs> the, uh, possible. Can I say at this point in the series that bunk is really looking a bit decrepit? If you look at the um, when it cuts, look. Oh, well, he's yeah. looking fairly terrible at this point. Oh, in the poor, series. poor Paul Montague. He might have done that deliberately. Five, was it like filming otherwise? Was it? I, can't I was off the top of my head. No, this this was just. Um, uh, it was only no, F- Future right. Echoes got moved. Mm-hmm. Future right. Echoes was the fifth oh, one no, to be recorded. Because this, yeah. this ties into the end. So this is the fourth one to be recorded. Yeah, I, I remember when I was um, doing my ending to yeah. end the series on. When I was doing my interview with um, uh, John Pomfrey, he said his one regret about Red Dwarf is that blue light on the Someone on the window. Mm. <laughs> and it's like I, I he, John Pomfrey's an idiot. I love <laughs> I love how specific that regret is, yes. considering it was so long ago. I know <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah, he, he's clearly very invested in. Um... Craig's comment when talking about this episode, he said, "Why is it that Scottish people are so good at doing American accents?" <laughs> <laughs> this is it is. Great performance. Yeah. In a shit costume. <laughs> yeah, but it's deliberately <laughs> light, isn't it? And it's just, it's just white teeth. Grins. Yeah. White, really white. And he throws those little grins every so often. It's uh, around Lee- about this time. Lee Corns was doing a fantastic line in just appearing in as many excellent sitcoms. Yeah. As yes. Yes. He did have a hell of a run. Yeah. Uh, Lee Corns yeah. is, is the better of the two for me. Yeah. 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 The way wrong. he embodies the performance. <laughs> but it is a weird thing for Red Dwarf. It doesn't in this early stage to have like normal sitcom 
Yeah. Pe- people who are knocking about in sitcoms turning up and doing a funny character yeah, in their home again. These are the first guest stars, aren't they? Of course. Yeah, it is, effectively. It, it, it's, Apart I'm, from the chicken technically. God. It almost feels like the others. kind of thing... Oh, no, 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 Coleman. no Coleman in... Well, not no, oh, Clark. Clark. <laughs> no Coleman in... <laughs> no yeah. yeah. Coleman was in Doctor Who as well. Does, but, uh, oh, don't, you, don't you think it feels like one of those... I mean, it clearly isn't, because we've never heard this, but it feels like one of those episodes that the writer was here afterwards, oh, yeah, the execs wants us to add more characters. So... Yeah, it's kind of actually weird. I wonder whether it was a kind of deliberate... <laughs> the idea of any execs um, sort of having any opinion on this show during the recording of the yeah. series is... <laughs> well, especially seeing as the exec was Paul Jackson, and Paul Jackson yeah. was completely on the side of the show. It, it was true, yeah. yeah. He, he probably still got... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, execs more like, you know... Look at, look at Rimmer there. I just, Rimmer's <laughs> hair in this scene is really spectacularly angular. <laughs> is it a wig? Oh god! <laughs> He's trying to pull rank on a symptom. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. If you look very closely here, you can see the little tube that's spraying out all the smoke. Oh Just yeah. you should because it's sprayed into water. Is it, it? Is it smoke or is it some sort no, they, of solution? They, 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 water. Filled, they filled a tank yeah. full of water and then they sprayed it into the water. Ah, so it yeah. was kind yes, of yes, yeah, yes, some yes. sort of murky liquid yeah. nozzle. Yes, nozzle. Both that and the the dust storm that comes up. The dust storm is brilliantly yeah, done. Was dropping the dust onto yeah. the ship. From Absurd, the that yeah. must have yeah. fucked the model up something rotten. Like. Well, I think it was quite light. I don't think he used like heavy pieces. It was probably like like foam or something. Cork, it does look yeah. amazing. Actually, is this the um, only episode in series one that has episode specific model shots? Am I correct in thinking I that? I think so. Yeah. Oh, apart old. from Future Echoes uh, with the travelling faster than light. Ah, yes. they were modified. Yeah, that's just a modified stock, though, wasn't it? Yeah. With the, I, I think so because it was <laughs> all, it was a video like effect of it. Well, still video effects exist then, but it was an effect on top of a yeah. shot. So it reminds me of Britain's Got Talent, really. <laughs> 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 this is a bit like that that DJ when Dan and John Jules's girlfriend um, knocked down a wall in the car and everyone just took bricks. <laughs> <laughs> Fag butts, isn't that basically what James Bull does now? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought you might pick Hi, James. Pick, <laughs> James is still fan club president. I was going to yeah. say, I thought you were going to pick someone over there, your boss. And, 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 I'm, and I'm still editor, currently. <laughs> we should never have allowed him to drink alcohol. I'm sure, doesn't he own some fag butts? I'm sure... No, I don't think so. If he did, then he sold them all. Um, a DJ recently, because there was a lot of old stuff that was uh, that was sold. A load of, and I don't remember any fag butts being there. <laughs> lots of lots of wallets and. Craig Charles so. tells a story. I think on one of the DVDs, one of the documentaries about someone who actually collected his fag butts and asked them to sign him, sign them. Yeah, you know, like presented him with a bag full of them that well, they collected over the years. Considering I'm normally on smoking duty for Craig Charles, <laughs> this is actually an industry that I could uh, <laughs> I could start off. Computers behind, isn't that patience? Yeah, I think he's got his patience. Yeah, I'll take five. Game. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think he might play poker. Cause, yeah, he said he'll oh, take five. Uh, uh, okay. I don't think I've spotted before either, which is a bit weird. It, that, that's one of those lines that I've just never particularly it's, understood yeah. or put in any. Uh, it's because I'm looking. Yeah. Incidental. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually. Scott couldn't do anything quick. <laughs> no. 
That's actually really oh, dangerous. Oh, they spelled it stab him in the subtitle. I would have said stab, stab him with two B's. With two B's. That's, yeah. that's the common actually, that thing coming around anything that's even vaguely sharp is quite risky <laughs> considering that I don't know if it was those scutters or the Series 8 scutters that were mu- that were controlled by taxis going yeah. driving Yeah, no, it was the, it was the, it was the early ones. It was radio syringe yeah. into Lee Collins' astonished leg. <laughs> astonished leg. I find it quite interesting that uh, upside down. The Lister's paranoia is actually quite similar to Rimmer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, the, that's, I, I imagine that's the, the, the point. The problem... <laughs> <laughs> But it's very good of you to make the effort, Alan. No, I didn't mean it to sound like that, but... <laughs> I, I think there is the danger... I didn't mean it to like that, so much. what I meant. <laughs> there is the one danger with this episode is that, obviously, confidence is meant to be annoying, but that can occasionally cross into just being actually slightly annoying to watch. <laughs> I, don't, I, do, I, do you have, I don't find him annoying to watch. I, don't, I find him very funny. It depends, just the occasional bit, not right throughout it. He's got some. He's got so many like quotable lines in this yeah. episode, though. And then, uh, another great idea from the people who brought you beer milkshake is <laughs> that was one of the ones that I kind of went slightly. Uh, yeah. And the whole but bit with it goes on about that song. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. that's it's one of like, the subtler moments. Don't get me wrong; it's not all the time. Just every so often. And again, another quotable line. Yeah. Uh, which was of course used um, at Goitlus at the uh, last day of the convention whenever there was a wrong answer oh, yeah. variations of that here's a Absolutely. instance of a character working something out a little bit too quickly yeah <laughs> what was that thing on the left there didn't you see the medical unit sorry oh, going to the left terrific. I don't know we can't I, I know. This, this we'll, is, we've gone too far this is totally yeah, the wrong format <laughs> yeah <laughs> Alright. But after this, I think everyone should rewind. <laughs> Do we possibly think the storm is a bit of a plot contrivance, seeing as we hardly ever see storms and then we need it to actually be delayed to have at, a couple of scenes? At this point, there hasn't been enough Red Dwarf for it to be a contrivance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because there hasn't right, been enough. Yeah. But after that point, it was never used. It's really. the only storm in. Give him a punch <laughs> It's computer jargon. I love there's the little grin. Mr. Here. Coming. Yeah. <laughs> the little kid. See, <laughs> 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 so how can you not love him? Um, I, I, to, be, to be fair, he, he's worth it purely for that. <laughs> for nothing else, it'd be worth it. <laughs> 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 it's, it's rumor, it's Arnold rumor. <laughs> now here's another question in later series could we believe Lister going along with confidence because yeah, I, think you, I think you he's, believe he's, it here he's, he's in a bit of a fever isn't he so he's yeah. you know not thinking straight. I do believe it here. I'm not sure even as ill I'd believe it of, mm. say, the Series 4. Well, that's, that's development. I well, think, yeah, exactly. I think yeah. Lister in Series 10. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. I think well, Lister in Series 10 model, could actually but... slip into that quite easily because he's regressing a tiny is... bit. Uh, the, the stairs, are the standard no. studio stairs, yeah, yeah. composition on. Yeah. The thing that gets me with this is the, and you see it in um, old Doctor Who episodes as well, and um, quite a lot of old sequences <laughs> where the BBC will 
for almost no reason at all, suddenly go all out on one sequence. Yeah, mm. this just and looks... it's, it happens out of it. And this, this is the standout sequence in series one when it comes to production. Yeah. The thing about this is, it's not. It doesn't even ruin it that you can see the studio lights reflected in them because it looks like stars or yes. sunlight. Yeah, but the yes. fact that it's bright actually works because yeah. they're out in open space. Maybe they're quite it's close just, to a star. Yeah. yeah. It, it just has a fantastic it, look this, to it. this is up there with any series of Red Dwarf and its production yeah. oh, the, easily look at it it's astonishing it almost looks like something that they should have done on green screen and comped in a model yeah. and it's like yeah. the fact that they yeah, built this I think it might have been it. accidentally good <laughs> doesn't, it, doesn't it also look like something they should have done again at some point yeah, yeah. because you could do all kinds they, of interesting like things. door and stuff like that observation the observation dome is the oh. nearest thing to yeah. this is a great I presume it's the fact they've got to be in um, spacesuits so it kind of obscures the expressions and gets you know yeah. makes it more difficult to do the comedy yeah, yeah, the voice is slightly distorted. Yeah, this is creepy. I don't. Yeah, know. really. That it's really. Yeah. It's it's not even the explosion. It's no, a look in his face, face before. Yeah. It's incredible. That's just fantastic. So I only got the music in that scene as well, which is just yeah. It's brilliant. Interesting. They had yeah, slow mo on like one inch videotapes. No, yeah, one inch could do slow mo. It was could two it? inch. You had problems with oh, with that. Okay. What benefit of one inch is you could more easily do slow mo and freeze frames. Oh. That's slightly keep... poorer picture quality. Than oh, they did. They used freeze frames a lot then, but they they didn't. Mm. I mean, there's two instances of slow mo in that scene, and I don't think they really did it again. No, actually, that's a good point. Yeah. It's... Oh no, they did in the end of D- um, uh, DNA with the um, uh, with the monster, the curry monster. Oh, they true, and also the last day. Yes, unless so talk... that was actually fake slow mo. I can't remember. No, it was, no, it was real slow man. It wasn't just everyone. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. <laughs> uh, a gag that's completely ruined by the remaster yes. because all the music's different. <laughs> <laughs> Lister's shirt is also amazing in this scene, but in a slightly different way. <laughs> what does the Z stand for? Zoe. Uh, Zara, Zoe. Zanadu. Um, it's actually the wrong first initial. Yeah, it's well. the wrong yeah. first initial, yeah. But then GMC is so incompetent, I can see them mislead. Yeah, yeah. It, it goes in the same category as uh, um, making a racist vending machine. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've decided that I would like Kachansky's middle name to be Zarathustra. <laughs> I'm going to try and make that canonical. Pube Zarathustra. Well, this stop. seems to set up a good next episode. I wonder if the next episode will be one of the best episodes of the <laughs> Which, weirdly, it is weird considering it's not even the best episode of this series. Yes, it is. No. <laughs> Future Echoes is a smidge better. And um, the original ending of that, as I'm sure we all know, was that Kachanchi was actually yeah. going to come back. Yeah. And it was, it was going be... to be the last episode of the series. But you do wonder where the fuck they would have gone the next series with well, it. Well, it, it, it um, would have the exact... <laughs> <laughs> it would have the exact same problem that uh, the makers of Back to the Future had. Where they put yeah. in the um, the girlfriend in the car as a sequel hook, and then realised when it came to making the sequel, oh shit, <laughs> we don't want. Well, they, her actually, there. they actually said with Back to the Future, they never planned to make a sequel, and what yeah, they said was, was yeah. if we planned to make a sequel, we wouldn't have put her in the car <laughs> yeah. because people wanted the Doc and Marty as a duo, yeah. so we had to get rid of her in the first five minutes because they were massive sexists. It would have been weird. It was one of the, it, it, There's so many things with this first series that. Um, 
it just would have could have spun the show off into a completely different direction. Body Snatcher for a start. Then you've got that it, it, the, the the seventh slot that they had and they yeah. used to fix the end and, yeah. and a change <laughs> budget for seven episodes. We delivered six. Yeah, and exactly. Just and, and changing these threads. If they had Kachansky at the end of the end of the series, then you're looking at a completely different series too. You had Body Snatcher, then the difference in tone yeah. might have changed the way Rimmer went, the way the characters went. I, I still think they should have made so it as an episode. Body Snatcher, I still yeah. think. Well, it's a bit late, though, isn't it? <laughs> but so much just kind of fell into place in really weird circumstances. Even just delaying mm. the production because of the strike ended up probably with a better yeah, show. Yeah, and, and small things like... Well, not small things. The casting of the main characters, not a small thing. <laughs> but... Um, if they're like Fred Molina and people yeah. like that, they wouldn't have done 25 years of it. Yeah. Like, as big as Chris and Craig briefly were in the 90s, they were never Hollywood's standards. Yeah, when Craig was on the two top-rated shows on BBC in the late 80s. Uh, late BBC 90s. Two. BBC Two. Yeah. Robot Wars was good. Yeah. <laughs> should we uh, do a I podcast think do, I think, yeah. about Robot Wars? Now? I think we should, yeah. I'm trying to think of a, of a rhyme that you could do for a broadcast. <laughs> well, considering Craig Charles was struggling in his first series, <laughs> as we saw, we watched it last night, and a couple of episodes, the rhymes were piss poor. And he's better than that. In the first couple of series, the rhymes were piss poor, but let's do a dwarf cast <laughs> on Robot Wars. <laughs> we're piss poor, let's do a dwarf cast on, on Red Dwarf. <laughs> Good night. So at least it's in Coronation Street now. You make, yeah. you make it sound. You make it sound like um, Fluffy the Labrador's in a better place. Yeah, he's in a better place next door. Can you, can you imagine a production now being given the budget for seven episodes and only delivering six? No. It was. In, I mean, yeah, it was down to the no fact that they were tucked away in Manchester. I think yeah. he's only got away with it. Yeah, I do kind of wonder as well because Paul Jackson was a very canny producer. Yeah. If he just gently nudged everything in the right direction so he yeah. just kind of probably made sure that nobody noticed by yes. making sure that people were looking not in the right direction well, well, what seventh episode I told them to do six episodes do yeah six you can imagine they're, they're, they're rules in this business them. and one of them is don't make a seventh episode Paul Jackson is exactly the kind of person you can imagine convincing the higher ups that they had only ever budgeted for six episodes and anyone who says otherwise I'll kill you this is not the budget you're looking for like um, Billy Bob Thornton's character in Fargo. Another <laughs> <laughs> topical reference. <laughs> I, I do have one question then. So, Confidence of Paranoia is, when I say generally regarded, it's a lot of people think Confidence of Paranoia is the weakest episode of Series 1, or at least that seems hmm, to be do the. I've heard quite a lot of people say that they think Confidence of Paranoia is their least favourite episode of Series 1. Waiting for God and. I think No, Waiting for God is one is oh, there that's... as well. But Balance of Power. Shall we consult the authority? I like Balance of Power a lot. But, I, but I, my, my question is, it seems one of the weakest. <coughs> do do people here think it is one of the weakest? This is the first time in the Silver Service no, I think it's in a no, podcast. I think it's in the top half. Greeted by But I think it does have a slight issue in that the plot is kind of. Um, it's a it's a sort of it's a slightly difficult plot to define, and it just sort of confidence and para- paranoia kind of show up, and their plot is kind of dealt with quite quickly, and it sort of it feels like it's a long way into the episode before 
they actually show up and the real plot of the episode really gets started. Cut. If you look at the chapter points, it's chapter point four on the episode, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, It's, yeah, it's almost a, a sort of classic Doug thing, really, where the central plot is actually very interesting. It's just he never... I don't think he's ever really got the hang of <laughs> giving it enough time to... Like, making the most of it. Having just watched it for the first time, it's felt like a handful of sketches on a particular riff bulked out with half an episode's worth of character-based interaction at the start, really, as opposed to a a plot that drives the thing all the way through. I think early on in their writing, there's probably some truth to that, considering the amount of sketches they reused. See, I I can't quite shake... Because I really do like the episode, I really do, but I can't quite shake this ever-so-slight feeling of tweeness about the whole idea. And I'm not... I know that kind of sounds a bit weird, but it's almost like, um... It's... It's it's an extremely on-the-nose idea that they've actually taken quite seriously. That's what I mean by that. True. And usually they take the central ideas very seriously. Yes. In a, cer- in a certain way. Yeah. It, it, it feels like a bit too much like a morality tale that they're actually taking... I thought it was a morality tale about some ducks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. I, I don't mean that quite as harshly as it's come out, but mm. I just feel it's ever so slightly too it's wrapped on the up, nose. It's wrapped up very quickly. Confidence swiftly dispa- <clears throat> dispatches paranoia and there's no yeah. kind of scene between them or anything Yeah, like paranoia's which... just there and then he's not. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like Irene E. <laughs> in, uh, in, ten, in, in ten, yes. Yeah, but at least you see her go out of the air. <laughs> <laughs> at least you see a woman die. <laughs> um, it That's the... all I ever want from Red Dwarf. <laughs> it adds, uh, the That's previous not all I ever want from Red Dwarf. <laughs> question. Uh, Confidence and Paranoia is uh, the second worst episode of Series 1, according to the Silver Survey. Ahead of... Uh, Waiting, Waiting for God. Yeah. Well, uh, actually, and to be fair... Waiting for God is the lowest out of the first I had series. actually forgotten about Waiting for God. So is wrong. The no, Balance of That's, Power is yeah. so much worse than both of them. No, the end not. is the weakest episode of Series 1. <laughs> no. No, I, no, no, no. <laughs> nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. I have some sympathy for Seb's point of view. I have I'm not no sure. Sympathy for Seb's point of view. If not for Seb himself. <laughs> I'm not sure I'll go that far, but the end is one of the weaker episodes of the first series. I think the Let's worst. wrap up the first series because we've done all the commentaries now. Yeah, I think we, yeah, we right. seem to be doing that. Yeah, I mean, the point. way I view series one, because this is the most important thing, <laughs> is that it's split into three tiers of quality. We've got the top tier, which is Future Echoes and Me Squared. Yes. The middle tier, which is the end and Confidence and Power. And then no, actually, the end of waiting for God, and then confidence and paranoia, and um, I'm a, I'm a the other quite one. a fan of waiting for God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I like waiting for God and balance of power. I think they're both great. I think I think there is a genuine genuine consensus that the best two episodes are Me Squared and Future Act. Yeah, 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 yeah. They both yeah, made the, mainly they both not only the best two episodes, but two of the best episodes of Red Dwarf. Yeah, uh, and then everything else in the middle is interchangeable until you get down to waiting for God. Yeah, and it's kind of well. I'd, I'd put wave. I think anyone would well put wave. Got slightly higher. I think mm. it's more down to specific things you like about specific episodes. I don't think there's an objective qualitative difference between much of those other four. I think it comes down to personal preference. And I think people dislike the cat priest stuff so much that I mean, it drives. I, 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 I think what Julian was saying about some of the. Well, I understand you. Some of the ideas not coming back Sanya. much. I mean, it's the same in Waiting for God. <laughs> Because well, you know that whole idea with the cat priest that comes in pretty late on. Yeah. Mm. I think late, that's maybe really. something with the first series in general. To well, be honest, the thing about Waiting for God, and I'm not saying this is all of it, but I often wonder: Are so many people down on Waiting for God because Rob Brandt's gone on record as saying he doesn't think much of it? 
it's has that influence. Yeah, it's people. a bit like because par- I think the same mm. things happen with Parallel Universe. Yeah, mm. I still think Parallel Universe is a great episode, but people are a bit more down on it since yeah. Robin yeah. Doug said we're a bit embarrassed by it. Yeah, you know, see also um, on Doctor Who, everybody seems to take Stephen Moffat's dissatisfaction with um, the second episode of his first series as being authorization. Everybody joins yeah. in, mm. in saying, "Oh, it's not very good." Despite the fact a number of people around here have. Quite a lot of fondness for it. What's Doctor mm. Who? It's a television program, Seb. That's not important right now. It's that thing where they took that tiny model that was in the background of a shot in the room. <laughs> <laughs> it's full of whole 50 years of worth of nonsense about it. Yeah, Doctor Who is technically a Red Dwarf spin off show. Uh, <laughs> I, I sometimes think. Spin on this. <laughs> I, I sometimes feel a bit guilty about Weight of the God because I've focused very much on that um, exchange. You know, using religion that's extremely crappy yeah. each other, yeah. so what else is new? And I do focus on that because I think it's fucking awful, but it is <laughs> like two lines in a whole episode. <laughs> that's true. And I it's not really. There's some great stuff between Grimmer and Lister, though. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. I like all the Capri stuff as well. I really do. No, I do. I think Noel Coleman, um, I've got his name right this time, was, <laughs> is really good. And I, I like his, his really, you know, sad little final speech so in conclusion waiting for god is great yeah i think waiting yeah. For so god what's what's worse than waiting for god then if waiting for god is great what's well, balance of it? power balance balance of power. Great. it's really funny the end and confidence of paranoia I, I, I think it's hugely difficult because i think series one sets a certain tone that people well certainly most of us really really it sets a tone that we all really, really love about Red Dwarf. There's a certain sort of air to it which is absent from anything past, you know, Series 7 onwards, um, which I find really odd. But um, there's something... We always sort of... We go back to saying, I really like this episode, but in just about every single episode of Series 1. Mm. Um, mm. I really like this episode, but, you know, there's this. There's a, But it doesn't... It's only when we're pressed. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think when we're coming up with so, what's your least favourite episode of series one? It's more of a kind of um, uh, philosophical question, yeah, rather than one that actually impacts on. I kind of think each episode in series one gives it a different jumping-off point. Uh, So you know, future echoes is the more sci-fi thing. Yeah, Yeah. paranoia is where they have the the more uh, zany character kind of episodes and. It's the what show finding its feet. What your favourite episodes are probably depend on what direction you liked the show going in in later years, because each episode gives it yeah. each of the and strands that it follow six later on. Is, is, is it possible that mm. to, in the later series, is it possible to pick out the different strains from series yeah, one? Absolutely. I would say so. Does any particular There's, series tend to focus on one matter, or does it all interchange as it goes forward? Um, uh, the well, closest you get is five being a bit more sci-fi but even that's a bit of a misnomer a, a, a bit of a I would say thing. eight you could say perhaps is the zany characters maybe eight is the shit one so it's not so much yeah, series <laughs> as individual episodes to be honest uh, well me squared is an interesting one in terms of this because I see me squared as uh, series 1.5 yes. and me, me squared yeah. is the template for series 2 yeah, well, yeah. Definitely. Me, me, pretty much yeah. everything that comes out in series 2 you can you can draw a line from me squared to Rimmer's so entire character softens me gradually squared. over the course of the many series and, uh, me squared is also a template in itself for a, its own individual strand which is dealing with the psyche 
because yeah. they do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Which Body Snatcher would have episodes. been. Well, you see, the thing that annoys me most about the fact that they didn't do Body Snatcher is the one thing which is totally addressed in the books that I wish they dealt with in the series is the essential body horror of Rimmer's condition. Mm. They never touch on it, really. A tiny bit in the end, very mm. tiny bit. But there's so much there that you could do, which they didn't. And I know it's easier to do that in the books, but Body Snatcher does a jolly good stab. Yeah, it does. I think maybe jolly good stuff. <laughs> jolly good it could have led the show down a different path, and and it would have been it would have been darker in tone to a certain, and it would have worked. But it, it, at some point, that one aspect of that needs well, to kind of be. I think it would be nice for the show to have pretty much dealt with it once. Yeah, That's what yeah. I'd say. I'm not saying that you need to keep coming back. In in episode after episode to it, yeah. but just one episode to just deal with the fact that this is fucking well, the, horrific. The, the thing is, if you're dealing with it once, like, yeah, it, if you do deal with it though, it's a big deal. And like in Body Snatcher, Rimmer is really not dealing with the condition, and, it, and the things he does and his intentions are, are quite extreme. Yeah, and so dealing with that in one episode and then then drawing yes, a line I under it point. would feel a bit. I take your point. Yeah. No, I take your point. I do know what you mean, but. Um, I, I actually, actually love that Body Snatcher exists as it does, as the, as this curio, the thing that we got anyway. Mm. And well, ba- so, Balance of Power is one of the few episodes that deals with the other aspects of the situation, which is Lister's horror, his his loneliness, and yeah. his the fact that he's caught adrift <clears throat> and he's completely on his own. Well, the, that does come back, but not until much later. Like, there's a bit of it in Time Slides. And then Dear Dave is the next time that that's addressed. So, so bearing those in mind, is there anything else that you think that the series mm. starts off and then doesn't follow through on? Apart from Rimmer's dealing with death and then Lister dealing with the end of humanity. Because, I mean, it's setting up so many things and not all of them are carried it's, on from here. The it is interesting. People, and it's, The it's, cat it's, people would be my one, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. Because that, that's always been an odd thread that's just dropped. Norman love it being funny. They lose that thread <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of interesting that the I mean I've read quite it's back to that article I wrote for Trinity ages ago about um, people saying what they loved in the early series of Red Dwarf is the essential loneliness of it mm. and my whole point of view is well A they kind of deal with that a bit later anyway but B that's not what I fell in love with Red Dwarf about but at the same time I'm beginning to think maybe I was ever so slightly harsh in that article there's stuff in series one that they deal with in that way that would have been kind of quite nice to carry on with it. Now, that doesn't mean that I think that, that... That's very different from saying, oh, well, as soon as Red Dwarf moved away from that, then it's all shit. Clearly, mm. that's bollocks. But maybe it would have been nice to have maybe kept a few more of the strands. Listen, I, I, I think there is a lot of that still. Like, maybe every now and then, but, I mean, it, it, sometimes Red Dwarf is painted as... From series two to three, which I think is the issue you were addressing, is yeah. that it, suddenly it's this laugh-a-minute romp. Yes, yes. With, with no consequences or no sort of pathos at all pathos pathos at all no he's one of the three musketeers um, but then you get time slides you get qu- quarantine is, is really along those true, lines true like, they're just true. being trapped with these people and what if one of them goes mad you know that that's about loneliness and being trapped anyway yeah and by definition a sitcom about loneliness and isolation is going to be progressively harder to write and yeah. progressively harder to sell to the general public as well. <laughs> that's true it, it, it wouldn't have lasted of it, yeah. it wouldn't have lasted as far as series 6 you couldn't have carried on with it forever that's yeah. not to say you can't drop it in every stuff I mean there's still areas of it they perhaps haven't looked at I mean even if they bring Kachansky back you've still got the idea of okay those two are together but if they have any offspring 
That's the you, last human being. You know what? Like, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced <laughs> that you, you, you that would <clears throat> that's um, necessarily untenable to make the series popular because Stepton Son dealt with nothing else, and that went. That was fucking huge. I think the yeah. difference there is that Steptoe can still bring in outside characters. The idea with this is that you then struggle. True. Steptoe True. can always rely on the outside world coming into the smaller surroundings. Yeah. Red Dwarf has to create some kind of construct. Yeah, to do if it. you have an outside yeah. thing coming in, then it automatically makes things a little bit higher energy, where that's not necessarily the case with Steptoe. So, well, the, so yeah, the so you couldn't quite get the same tone. The weak approach is. Um, Basically, the out, outside universe coming in. Yeah. And Porridge is closer in that sense because that's more of a confined system for the most part. But then and again, then as you, but then even then, you've got people coming in. But yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. say perhaps yeah. for a greater share of it, you've got a more confined system. True. True. Steptoe and Son, of course, was a, a good pilot that came out of Comedy Playhouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have we run out of things to say now? I, think, I, I kind of, I don't know. I, it's, I kind of have, but I love series one so much that I kind of just want to talk about series, it forever. Series one is probably the most interesting series of the lot as well, as well like production wise and writing wise, and the fact that it's set, you know, it has to set everything up, and it's got all these, you know, the genesis of everything, and that it does, as we've established. Put its dip its toe in so many different waters, and you know, you know, most of the, the different things, things they explore do get. There's fed also out. not really two series <clears throat> that are as similar to each other in style and approach as series one and two are. True. Possibly, except uh, three and four have similarities, but four kind of is more of a bridge between three and five, I think. Yeah. But one and two, I think the difficulty with one is that while it has great episodes and it has stuff that I absolutely love. Um, it feels like a test run for series two. Yes. And series two is where that type of red dwarf is just absolutely perfect from start to finish. Like, I just. Series two is practically flawless for me. Yeah. And yeah. series one has flaws here and there while being in the same style as series two. <laughs> That's so, so it's, it's hard to exactly. If, if there was one series I would grab to someone who was saying, I don't like a dwarf, and wave it in front of their stupid face. It would be <laughs> any episode of series two, yeah, and yeah. say this is. You, oh no! You hold your horses, parallel universe. No, but I still think parallel universe. Uh, right, but, uh, I honestly think if it wasn't I... for the fact that we are now on series ten of Red Dwarf, um, if it had stopped with series one or series two, it would be regarded as. Uh, one of those wonderful little oddities that the BBC turned out, and isn't it wonderful? Mm. And let's get it released, and blah de blah de yeah, blah, yeah. and endless blog posts. It, I mean, it generated endless blog yeah, posts on yeah. its own, anyway. But, but do you mean from the wider sort of from the wider, yeah, from the sort yeah. of people who stick their nose up? Yes, mm. and right. yes. Because series three yes. onwards yes. is what allowed them to stick their nose yes. up. At it. The minute yeah, anything absolutely. becomes more popular like that does, then and you're always going to get that. It did become more populist as well. It became more accessible mm. and people I, confuse that for a downturn in quality I, which wasn't there I think I think sort of a hardcore comedy fan I mean to kind of, the kind uh, maybe, of maybe the cooked that, and bombed mentality yeah. Uh, yeah. It, you're gonna that's right name the fuckers the, the, they, they, they would love it, if it <laughs> the, the minute you get a comedy programme producing <laughs> t-shirts it's, mm. they, all, they would view any comedy the kind yeah. the same yeah. way you know it's Mrs Brown's Boys Red Dwarf what's the difference it's all being hoard out to merchandising 
If only there was more merchandise to We want more. But um, and that, that's the most. Well, you know, while while we're really you know going for it, that that fucking website is. There's, there's <laughs> always there's always a lot of people. The, the highest concentration of people saying after the second series, I wasn't interested because it wasn't about the loneliness or anything like that anymore. Yeah. We and have good friends I who say can't. that, and they're just completely wrong. I find them. it slightly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I find it a slightly. I find it a little bit disingenuous. I yes. don't I, believe someone who yeah. says I stopped watching after series two because I didn't. Oh, I've grown out of it. I, yeah, I think. I think it's more. Yeah, it's yeah. more a retrospective point of view. I can understand people saying when I look back on it now, I think I like the first two series more, and I don't really like series three onwards. I think that's a perfectly valid point of view. But I think saying, "Oh, I really liked it for the first two series," but then. At the time, yeah. in 1989, what? Series 3 came along and that put well, the, it's the I, well, I don't believe that there are that many people. It's the for the same. number of people who say it, I don't yeah. believe that it's true it's for that many It's the same as people. Doctor Who, that thing where you go a few years and then it will change. Oh, well, that wasn't... Isn't what we've got at the moment terrible? And uh, looking back five years, oh, yeah, well, that was great. And then yeah. it'll change as time goes by. I think if you went back a few more years, you'd have... You just have people saying up until series six it was great, and then that's the cutoff, and now it's just changed to series one and two. It will change again. How I see it, and I'm not saying this about every single person who would say this, but I think there's an <laughs> awful lot of people who um, really liked Red Dwarf back when they were teenagers, and they really don't like the kind of person they were when they were teenagers. <laughs> Yeah. So they kind of have this big, huge amount of stuff that they've very much distanced themselves yeah, from. And, yeah. and that is, and they've yeah, boxed off. Of, yeah. And Red Dwarf is included in that. Yeah. Um, Red Dwarf and their t shirt wearing way. People who happily admit that that's the case, never mind all the people who don't admit and that they, that's the case. And they phrase it in terms of, I grew out of Red Dwarf. You grew out of being a teenager, but that doesn't ne- mean you need to leave behind all the things you enjoy. Well, that's really yeah. curious because when I, when I started being. You know, this involved in Red Dwarf and, and and in the online community was about what 10, 11, 12 years ago. Yeah, I, early, I do not, I do not like the person I was then. But None it's still But um, but I, I, you know, that hasn't. I don't know what it says about me particularly. Well, I, I had a friend. I had a friend who, when we, yeah, I was watching, <laughs> when we were watching Red Dwarf on the repeat season, I was saying, "Oh," and I was trying to talk about Red Dwarf with him, and he said, "Oh, um, yeah, I don't watch Red Dwarf." And I said, "Why not?" And he said, "Oh, yeah, I used to like it, but it's a kid show, isn't it?" And I um, said, "Right, yeah, but Red Dwarf thirteen to rated Red Dwarf three is rated a fifteen. Yeah, it's kind of not. It show <laughs> people mistake a, it, it, for a lot of people. Red Dwarf was a show that they were allowed to stay up late and watch. It was yeah. one of the first shows yeah. of that type. That's not a kids show. Yeah, it's <laughs> but still on that people watched it as kids, so they associate it with but being a kids bizarrely, show. Bizarrely, I also find maybe it's just a, a thing with the change in comedy trends in a younger generation that uh, laugh tracks sometimes get viewed the same way. Mm. Yeah. Always they family the comedies, the sort of BBC One comedies, they'll associate as having a laugh track. And so anything they come across that has a laugh track, even yeah. if it's clearly, even if it's something, would be something like Stepto, where one is character is trying to murder the other yeah. one at the yeah. end of an episode. Yeah. I blame well, the series August. one doesn't really have that it's problem. Interesting fact about laugh tracks actually <laughs> is the Over to Bill pilot actually had a laugh track. It's just there was no that laugh. That didn't make no. <laughs> <laughs> it's no use doing that. Said they can't see expressions on a podcast. <laughs> They said, I'd like to say that over you can actually would hear the sound of my track. eyes rolling. <laughs> but I don't think that's the case. <laughs> it would have been identical. Fucking awful, regardless. I'm just going to abstain from this conversation. <laughs> <laughs>
Can you We've distort my voice on this podcast <laughs> so it doesn't sound like me? We'll do it from now on. <laughs> like people like us? I, I thought you'd been doing it already. From now on, Seb's voice will be replaced by the voice of Jerry Adams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all right. They're letting it out today. Topical. <laughs> <laughs> you might be in prison by the time. May the fourth be with you. What? Going back to like Red Dwarf. The other thing I find really, really interesting is how much um, Rob and Doug actually really don't seem to like Series 1 in their interviews. And I mm. kind of wonder whether they genuinely, objectively don't like Series 1 or they just hate the way it was produced I and, think that, scenes, yeah. and they just link yeah, it. Yeah, Not only that, but they, they, were, they were... I mean, they probably Actually. don't like Series too much as well because they were existing in this bubble where they had very little influence. Yeah. Like, they weren't producing, they yeah. weren't... Um, they weren't well. Maybe they did have some influence through Ed Bye, oh. but there was there was no real. They, 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 they must have felt so frustrated. They do say it far less about series two, like far less. That's I'll true. be honest. I think maybe an element of it. I might be totally wrong, but I think maybe an element about it as well is the after that they wrote the books, and they went back and and fixed and all the fixed things, the they, things didn't they didn't like, like yeah. and went into more detail and maybe after doing that they thought, oh, that would have been a better way to do it. Possibly. Maybe. I mean, maybe there, there would have still been. Frustrated with the sets in series two, but maybe they were just happier with what I they mean, wrote. It's the, I suppose it's well. the same with most TV productions: is that the people, people who write the thing, write it in a world where there's there's not necessarily as many restrictions as there ends yeah. up mm. being through the I, production. I, I certainly don't think they would have reused so much of the uh, plot in the books and the jokes in the books if they hadn't been happy with the content. They would mm. have redone it. And here's the thing as well: is mm. that the experience yeah. that the, the two of them had in series one of writing to budget. I imagine they didn't have any experience of writing to budget, particularly mm. because writing for spitting image, you you know you know what. All your moving parts are, mm. and, and what you've got available to you, yeah. and so suddenly with Red Dwarf, where you've got something that could spiral out of control, they thought they something could be produced the, that couldn't be. And the previous experience was radio, where it doesn't. And really radio, yeah, of course, anywhere. yeah, where radio, where you can, you know, do anything. Mm. I mean, I, I, can, I honestly think that the um, the sets in Red Dwarf series one are still some of the best they ever had. I think they look great because well, he, I mean, he. Produce what was asked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that is what a minor I, show. I think it's more believable. I think they're more. It's more believable as a mining ship, as you say, than some of the later. Cr- now, to be fair, they go to the officers' quarters. The drive room is a hell of a lot better than the science room, or whatever you call the room in series two. Mm. It's right. odd because the science rooms always seem to be quite weird to me because it's like the it's drive room, different. but not the drive room. And there is always it's a bit of an odd one. It, it, it has knows no... we discussed it to death on the, the garbage podcast when we did series one, but I, I think don't to know, be I honest, <laughs> no, no one did. <laughs> I, I, I think to be honest, the sets look better. I mean, you just look at the DVD menu; you can see the sets look better with lower lighting. The minute mm. they're mm. heavily studio, then lit, they look like wood. It just makes it look that much worse when it's lit with uh, light and shade and shadows. Those grey sets actually come to life a lot more. And actually, some of the corridor scenes, some of them. The nicest lit. Series one and, and two uh, get away with a lot more in corridors than series ten ever did, because also clever layout. The lighting and the layout mean that you can make it much more believable that you're on a much bigger ship, and that T-shaped corridor yeah. and yeah. the suffers and seriously actually, from that. And um, one of my favourite um, sequences from a production design point of view in the whole of Red Dwarf is that beautiful sequence in Waiting for God where Lister's going to the bowels of the ship because yeah. you fucking yeah, believe yeah, it. That is. Mm. 
Yeah. Which is interesting because from a production point of view, they've talked about how that was difficult because they were working in such a confined space. Yeah. It's actually John Pomfrey talks about the lighting yeah. of that. It's like it got you, redder, didn't it? Yeah, it? yeah, you sort of you have different coloured lights because that makes it feel bigger when you've got different light mm. sources. And it was darkening certain areas yeah. because they seem more cavernous. If you've got a little space in a corner but you have it really dark, it seems like there's more there. And, and also it's amazing what a bit of dust can do. <laughs> yeah. And the science room in, in series two is not something I ever really thought about before, but well, I'd say you, you have it in, in Crichton and in Parallel Universe and, and Better Than Life, and it kind of feels like the same place. You've got yeah. that long desk. But then they use that room in Queeg, and it feels completely different. Yeah. Like when, he, when he's fixing I mean, it's the, quite the, a cool little cables. set, and I like the lights. Stuff. But what, what, the reason I prefer the drive room is the drive room's got windows. The drive room feels like you're looking out the windows of a spaceship and they're piloting a spaceship from there. The problem I always have with Doesn't that room like in Series bridge, 2 is it's just a room and you can't see where they're looking well, out. Well, it's not meant know? to be the drive room, is it? That's the thing. It's the science room. But is it and science room? They, I, presume they're deli- two, yeah. Yeah. I presume they're deliberately thinking, oh, well, we can't just redesign the drive room. Mm. But so let's just call just... it a science room and move all the stuff we would have had in the but drive room. The they're never the actually piloting the ship. That gives the impression of this is a spaceship moving through space. It's pretty. I know yes. they've got windows mm. in the bunk room, but the drive room is really the only room that gives that impression of this is a spaceship as opposed to this is a space that, station. I just think whatever, my only you know. problem with the, with the drive room set is that for once I agree with that observation about Fisher-Price buttons. And it doesn't actually... I mean, that bit doesn't look particularly good. That said, would there be any logical reason for the drive room to have windows? It's a massive ship. You wouldn't have any gain from it. You're just as well off in the... Well, if the scanners are dead. Well, it gives, series you, yeah, two. It gives you a sense I mean, of... That's, yeah. that's Sorry, a good joke in Series 10. You know, go and look well, out the window because there's there's no point for them to be able to see at it. They're going to get a tiny perspective. But, well, see, that was the original idea with um, uh, the Enterprise D. That the Enterprise D wasn't supposed to have the... Um, the 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 um the drive not drive room the um, bridge the bridge on the top because the whole idea was that it's exposed hmm. and Gene Roddenberry said nope got to have it on top we've got to have windows and, well What's we don't need time? it you got a view screen no 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 it's got to etc etc yeah, but people yeah, but Gene Roddenberry was just a horrible man <laughs> <laughs> and people do instinctively map um concepts on what no matter how inappropriate like um. All those shots of the damaged Enterprise listing to one side because it's taking on water. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, actually. It, it, it is the yeah, transposing concepts of, of vehicles that you know yeah. from the real world onto spaceships, and you get that. You get that with Starbuck and, and Blue Midget, where you have the cockpits, and again, you, sh- you shouldn't really need windows for those either. It's all instrument driven but you are still looking out the front and then in series 10 you basically have a starboard cockpit driving red dwarf like the exactly the same Mm. layout and and so it's a comfortable sort of you know or everyone facing forward sort of a a, you know a a layout and that's because it's kind of you know everyone knows that because everyone sits in cars and in fairness while um the space the space shuttle has a full um prop Flight deck, as we would think of it in, as an aeroplane, because it had to be landed manually. Even um, even the earliest single-use rockets all had at least one window embedded in. Yeah, it's like I think it's almost like a psychological thing. Yeah. It's like you know, you can have all your cameras and view screens and stuff, but you do want to be able to look out of a window. <laughs> well, yeah, if you have a power cut, yeah. it's a claustrophobia thing as well. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, actually, interestingly, television, a lot of television galleries when they were first designed 
used to have a window looking out onto the studio floor yeah, for that yeah. exact reason. And that's kind of fallen out of fashion now. You do still have some. It's because you that. have a million TVs. But they kind of realise that you don't really need it. <laughs> yeah. You're not really using that window. You're looking at the monitors. There is, it, there is a certain usefulness, though, just because <laughs> the, the cameras are only pointing in one of four directions. Yeah. Kind do you of think it would be useful or overly distracting for an actor to look up into the gallery and see Paul Jackson? Useful, you can see the blood on the windows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I kind of, it's a bit like how, weirdly, um, when when I'm doing um, a transmission and I can see the continuity announcer through the window. Yeah. And technically, I don't need to see the continuity announcer through a big window. But it's kind of nice. Yeah, it's a comfort. I can see him through a curtain, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Not even all of them, just me. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, no. trying to drag this back on. Maybe, one. maybe a kind of rapid question. Um, these days, do we think that series one of Red Dwarf gets the respect it deserves? Because I felt at a certain point that it definitely didn't. I don't yeah. think it does. Still, I think it's got to a point now. I think perhaps the fact that we've had the twenty fifth anniversary and so the end and what it stands for has been celebrated again. I think we've swung back to. Given it its dues as a whole, as a fandom, I think yeah. it used to be people would talk about series two to six uh, as being, you know, se- seven and eight were crap. One was finding its feet, but two to six were golden. Mm. And I think more people are starting to lump in series one with that. Well, that's well. general opinion, but when when we're looking at Red Dwarf's broadcaster, the twenty fifth anniversary, and I yeah, I checked the schedule that Seb had handily written on the official website at the time. There was no series one, no series two in any of the repeat schedules for the twenty fifth anniversary. I, I it was all just a random mishmash of three, four, and five. But isn't it six. interesting that three, four, five, and that was the Dave repeat? Yeah, the like, Dave there is an five. argument that three, four, five, and six are a more Dave style show than one. Yeah. But two. also, I mean, true, I don't know this because I don't know how they select their repeats. But you would have to imagine Dark that board. Dave have yeah. <laughs> it looks like a Dark to. Figures on which episodes people respond well to and yeah. which episodes get good ratings, and they're probably the that's true. But that, I mean, that, that's valid for when you know they're looking for the, the red dwarf slot in between, you know, QI and Top Gear or whatever. But when you've got okay, this is the red dwarf weekend, people are going to be drawn to the channel because of red dwarf. That's an opportunity to maybe not show the ones that they always show mm-hmm. because I, of popularity. That's how I would run television shows. <laughs> I think there's a lot of casual fans who would just come to it and wouldn't go for Series oh, 1 for, and, and I think that's the thing. Series David 1, Simon how well is it regarded? It depends on who you ask. If you ask yeah. Red Dwarf fans now, yeah, generally much better than it was. If you go on Cooked and Bombed, it's perhaps too highly regarded. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you ask the general public, the people who just tune in today, no, probably not. And part of that is the look of Series 1 and 2. Series three is a much easier. Yeah, series three is much easier to tune onto because it looks more like modern television. Part of it as well is um, when people first were aware of Red Dwarf and they first started watching. It's likely to not be right at the start. There's not that many people that started right at the start in '88, and so if you're not as involved in it and it's not as big as part of your life as it is for us, I mean, my then it un- goes back to just, ah, uh, that's what I remember Red Dwarf My being. unreliable memory um, recalls, I, I think I was watching Series 2, I actually got into it properly in Series 3, and I think I remember it being 
something that I talk to other people about from about series three onwards. Not mm. that many people, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if series three was um, where the public memory starts. Yeah, Se- series three is the series where the logo becomes t-shirt friendly, and I think that mm. says it all. Mm. Someone pointed out some, something to me that I'd never spotted before. Sorry, this is going to be a bit of a tangent, but quite a quick one. Um, the, I mean, someone called it a deleted scene, and it's not a deleted scene because they never recorded it for the end. But mm. in the original script for the end, in the funeral scene, uh, Lister puts two people together in a capsule mm. um, and says, you know, uh, oh, you know, everyone knew how much you loved each other. And the gag is that Rimmer says, they split up. And the listener yeah. goes, oh, well, they're together again now. But those two people are Sam Murray and another bloke. Yeah. And I don't know oh. if at the time Sam Murray was intended to be a girl's name, but it's quite interesting that they reuse the name Sam Murray as a male yeah. character. It's also oh, interesting. So, so the person on Tumblr was describing this as the almost canon gaze of Red Dwarf. <laughs> like, they yeah. never quite got their moment, and one of them didn't even get any screen oh. time. Also, oh, also I've sh- never spotted that before, though. I think you'll Lister find the gays got their moment <laughs> in Duck Soup. <laughs> they had their moment in the sun <laughs> but yeah I actually when I read that I was like I googled it and the only reference I could find was on a Red Dwarf wiki and I thought I don't see this anywhere and I'm pretty sure it's not in the deleted scene no. I think someone's made this up and put it online yeah. and I had to go and get the book it and open up the book and it's there book, I yeah. Yeah. That, I, that's amazing never noticed that so, anyway. so gays. good one the gays <laughs> we approve of the gays Uh and that is official from Gallery <laughs> You Red won't Wolf find Panthers. that with FIFA, that's just <laughs> a great bunch you of won't find that. Really you won't find that with FIFA. <laughs> that's hashtag gays. <laughs> you can't have an ampersand in a hashtag I've tried. Uh, so that, that's the end of that commentary slash. Uh, slash! Sl- <laughs> oh god. It's <laughs> <laughs> the end of the commentary combined with Ramble uh, about series one in general and Paranance and Confidar. Paranance. <laughs> Confidence and Paranoia specifically. Yeah. Uh, so GNT that- is Team Nonce, of course. <laughs> I'm talking nonsense. Okay. So let's end this now. Yeah. Our uh, group of paedophiles. Thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye. Grip the shaft. Grip the shaft. Grip the shaft. Grip the shaft.